What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And when I'd, when I'd start to talk about heaven, Tomeskin would stop me and he would say, no, I'm not gonna die. He said, I'm just 15 years old and I'm just beginning my life for God. And I have not gone back to my church in Ethiopia. I need to teach them my hymns and play my guitar for them. Don't talk to me about dying. I'm not gonna die because God's gonna heal me. I've seen him heal other people. And Temeskin, he had these reports of other pe people getting healed and he used to keep them and read them and reread them. And Tomeskin changed his whole view of the Bible. He'd get all excited and he'd say, Tom, Tom, do you know what Jesus did? How he healed this person when he was blind and he healed that person. It was really hard for Tomeskin to even think that he was gonna die. And so I bought him a book. I bought him a 500-page book on heaven. And I said, here, Tomeskin. He refused to open it. And, and I didn't know what to do. And I was sitting there struggling and I, and I think, I need to prepare my little friend to die so, so I told Temeskin, I said, Temeskin, I said, I want you to think. I want you to think now about your life. I want you to think really hard about how you were very, very, very poor living in a mud hut. And I want you to think about how you became very, very, very sick with cancer. And I want you to think about how someone very, very, very rich and wonderful, Mary Louise Cohen, came to you and adopted you. And I want you to think about how she took you very, very far away from your old home in Ethiopia to your new home in Washington, D.C. And I want you to think how wonderful it was. I want you to think about the sights that you never, ever, ever saw before, like the ocean and the snow, and it was wonderful. And I want, to think, I want you to think about the wonderful things that you did. You went fishing. You swam in the ocean. You played in the snow. And then I, and then I said, Temeskin, it's going to be a repeat of the history. That's all. I said, it's all gonna repeat again. You think that now in Washington, D.C., you're very, very rich now? You actually are very, very poor, like before. And that cancer that made you very sick, it's come back. And again, it's made you very, very sick again. 
And just like before, someone very, very rich and wonderful, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come for you. And just like before, he's going to adopt you. And like before, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to take you very, very far away from your home on earth to a new home in heaven. It's going to be wonderful there. And just like before, you're going to see things in heaven that you never, ever saw before. And that's going to be wonderful. And just like before, you're going to do things that you never, ever did before. And it'll be wonderful and, and, and as I said all that, I thought to myself, as I said to it, that was really good. <laughs> I thought, that was great. As a matter of fact, I kind of sat there, and I was kind of marveling about how, wow, where'd that come from? I was thinking about it. And I looked at Temeskin, and I said, wasn't that great, Temeskin? He just glared at me. <laughs> no, I told you I'm not going to die. He didn't agree. You know why I said that? You know why I said that? You know why he refused to hear one word that I said? Because it was really hard for Temeskin to accept that he was going to die. And that's how Isaac felt at this time. It was really hard for Isaac to accept that he was going to die. And just like Temeskin, who was dying at the age of 15 and did, Isaac thought that he's too young to die. Just like Temeskin, who thought that he couldn't die now because he was just beginning his life for God, that was Isaac. Isaac thought that he's just beginning his life for God, just like Temeskin, who had plans to play his guitar and to teach his poor church in Ethiopia all the hymns that he wrote. Isaac thought, I have plans. I have plans to get married and to have a family for God, just like my father did. It was really hard for Isaac to accept that he was going to die. So in verse 6, without any words exchanged, Isaac realizes he's the sacrifice. He's going to die. And we can imagine how at the end of verse 6, when Isaac had that wood in his hands, and Abraham, you know, Abraham with two hands, one hand, he had a knife, he had a knife, and the other hand, he had fire in his hand. And we can imagine how Isaac stopped on their way there, when it kind of all came into, I'm going to die, I'm the sacrifice. And he stops, and Abraham stops, and Abraham waits for Isaac to make his decision, and then Isaac made his decision to go. And the Bible describes that decision, that silent decision that was made at the end of verse 6 with those simple, beautiful words, and they went both of them together. They went both of them, yachad, having become united. And they walked off toward Mount Moriah. Abraham decided to sacrifice his son, his only son whom he loved. Isaac walked off toward Mount Moriah, decided to be the burnt offering sacrifice. And from that picture, we see, we understand how the heavenly father, how the heavenly Abraham, God the Father, moved in history toward Mount Calvary where he would sacrifice his son, decided. And from that picture, we see and understand how the heavenly Isaac, the Lord Jesus Christ, moved in history toward Mount Calvary, decided that he would be the sacrifice. And the beauty of that scene is expressed in that one word, yachad, shnayim yachad. The two had become united in their decision. For Abraham and Isaac, the decision was for Isaac to become the sacrifice. And verse 6 means when it says they all, both of them went together, that was it. For God the Father and God the Son, the decision for the Lord Jesus Christ to become the sacrifice for you and me was they went both of them, yachad, together. And for all eternity, we're going to be marveling over verse 6 how God the Father and God the Son went both of them together on their way to Mount Calvary. 
where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners were slain, where, where he devoted that sacred head for sinners, for a worm as I, for such a worm as I. So in verse 7, there's a pause with Isaac, and, I, and then Isaac speaks. He speaks in verse 7. Isaac spake unto his father, Abraham, unto his, Abraham his father, and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Isaac already knows. He really already knows from that silent language between him and his father. But now Isaac wants to break the silence and just have some communication with words. So Isaac pauses and he speaks. And at first he just wants an assurance of their relationship together. Nothing's changed. So he doesn't call him father. He doesn't say Abba. He doesn't do that. But he calls out with a possession, my father, Avi. He says Avi. Reminds me of a dinner we had um, actually last Friday night where Lori, Lori Cable was, uh, was there with one of her 10 children and it was her daughter and, um, and she was just sitting there and she, and she was just rubbing the hand very lovingly of her daughter and sent a message. So Isaac calls Abraham, Avi, my father, very loving way, very tender in this. He calls, he calls, he says to Abraham, my father. And again, and again, we feel this tenderness that Isaac had in his heart when he calls, calls Abraham, my father, and Abraham is so quick to respond. Abraham doesn't just say what he said to God. He nani, behold me. He, but Abraham returns with all that love and affection from being called my father. And, and he says, he nani vni. He says, here am I, my son. Behold me, my son. And, and now that there's an assurance that the love hasn't changed, that nothing has changed in that bond of mutual love between the devotion between Abraham and Isaac, Isaac now opens up his heart and he reveals the anxiety, and he, he just wants to hear it verbally, just to make sure that he, has, he hasn't misunderstood or misread the obvious. So Isaac asks this question of the obvious, obvious when he says, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And with that question, we can see Isaac first looking at Abraham's one hand. And what does he see? He sees the fire. And he knows that's the fire that's going to ignite the wood that's going to burn up my body. And he looks at the wood in his arms, and he knows that this is the wood that will be ignited by the fire that will burn up my body. But Abraham has something else in his other hand, and it's the knife. And we can see Isaac, he looks at the knife, and he sees what's going to be used there to kill him. And as he does that, he thinks, that's the knife that's going to be plunged into my heart and cut my throat. And when Isaac sees the knife, he just turns away. He can't bear it. He turns away. He can't bear to mention it. That's the instrument that's going to kill him. And he turns away from the thought of the pain of dying. He can't bear to think about what, 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 what it's going to feel like, that cold steel blade plunging into his chest. And so we can see Isaac here turning away from the knife that's going to cause the pain. So in verse 7, Isaac doesn't say, behold the knife and the fire and the wood. Oh, Isaac can talk about the fire. Isaac can talk about the wood because at that point he knows he's going to be already dead and he's going to feel nothing when the fire burns up his body. But Isaac has never died before. Isaac's never felt a knife stabbing him in his heart, a, a knife across his throat. It's too much for Isaac to even think about it, so he just avoids mentioning the knife at all. And we can feel the terror that Isaac is feeling as he looks at the knife, and we can understand what, that I, why Isaac doesn't talk about the knife in verse 7. It's just too much. It's not that he's not thinking about the knife and the pain that he'll experience with the death with no morphine, 
but he's, he, but he's thinking a lot about it. He just doesn't want to talk about it right now. But the Lord Jesus also thought a lot about the pain that he would suffer as he was put to death. And the Lord Jesus did talk about that terrible death that he would suffer when he said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 21, Matthew 16, 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. In Luke 18, 31, Luke 18, 31, then he took unto them the 12 and said unto them, behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished for he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and he shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on and they shall scourge him and put him to death and the third day he shall rise again. When Isaac looked at that knife, he just couldn't talk about it. And Isaac felt the pain, but he couldn't talk about it. When the Lord Jesus spoke about, about being mocked, the Lord Jesus felt the pain of being mocked. And when the Lord Jesus spoke about being spit on, the Lord Jesus felt the spit in his face, as it says in Isaiah 50, verse 6. Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair, and I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And when the Lord Jesus spoke about being scourged, he felt the Roman whip that was going to tear the flesh off of his body and leave his muscles exposed in a bloody pulp. And when the Lord Jesus spoke about being put to death, he felt the nail of the cross being driven through his hands and his feet. And when he spoke about all of his sufferings, he felt it all. He felt the terror. He felt the pain of dying as the sacrifice. And when Isaac looked at and saw the knife, he refused to mention it. Isaac felt it all. He felt the terror and the pain. And he just wants a confirmation that he already knows that he is really going to be the sacrifice. And so he says, he says his question in verse 7, where's the lamb? And with that question that Isaac asked, he doesn't even know. He has asked the great question that will be prophetic for his people, the Jewish people, for thousands of years. We are in the year 5,779 today, Rosh Hashanah. He asked the question that every seeking Jewish person will ever ask if they're going to find God's salvation, God's Yeshua, God's Jesus. And many Jewish people today, they feel, I have everything, and I don't have the lamb. It's okay. For many Jewish people to have the religion of Judaism without the lamb for a burnt offering, it's fine. To have all the Jewish ceremonies, the Jewish holidays of the new year today, Rosh Hashanah, without the lamb is fine. There's no question like Isaac's today for most Jews on Rosh Hashanah. For, you know, for today... On Rosh Hashanah, it's behold the, the trumpet, behold the shofar, behold the apples and the honey, behold the time of reflection, behold the time of, of repentance, behold the vow to be a better person for the next year. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? That question is not asked by the majority, but among the Jewish people, there is a minority called the remnant who, like Isaac, will ask that question, behold everything on Rosh Hashanah, but where is the lamb for my sins? Most Jews today on Rosh Hashanah do not ask Isaac's question, but the minority, the remnant do. And they ask, where is the lamb? It's not enough. And when they ask that question, they find John 1.29, behold the lamb, which takes away the sin of the world, the Lord Jesus. Most Jewish people, Yom Kippur is coming up, as you see in your bulletin. Most people, most Jewish people will never ask Isaac's question on Yom Kippur, which is one week from this Wednesday. But it will be, they will never say, 
Behold the synagogue. Behold the prayer of repentance with the beating of the chest and the saying, Shlach li, shlach li, pardon me, pardon me for my sins. Behold the fasting from the food, and in my case, the water too, on the day of Yom Kippur. Behold the prayer of promising to keep the vows for the following year, the kol nidre, kol is all, nidre is vows, kol nidre all vows. Behold, here it all is, but they'll never say, where is the lamb? for the sacrifice for my sins. Most Jews on Yom Kippur do not ask Isaac's question, but the minority do ask Isaac's question, and they say, here it all is, it's not enough. Where is the lamb for burnt offering? And then they find the John 1:29. behold the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Passover, most on Passover never ask Isaac's question, behold the Seder dinner, behold the matzah, behold the bitter herbs, behold the egg, behold the salt water, behold the haroset, the honey, behold the nuts mixture, behold the horseradish, behold the parsley, behold the Haggadah, the book, to guide us through all of this. Behold all the prayers, and, and, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice for the sins? Here it all is, where's the blood that God said in Exodus 12, 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Where's the blood? It reminds me of this last week I was showing a friend of mine what the Passover Seder plate looks like. And when my friend saw this dried up shank bone on the plate, he said to me, what's that? And I said, sadly, that's what there is in place of the lamb. It's like hope that's dried up. So Isaac's question would be, behold the dried up shank bone, but where's the actual lamb? for the burnt offering. And most Jews on Passover, they don't ask Isaac's question, but the minority, the remnant, do. And they say, it's not enough. It's a lot, but it's not enough. Where is the lamb? And they find John 1, John 1, 29, the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So the question that Isaac has asked in verse seven has continued to be asked to resound for the last 3,000 years. Where is the lamb? And the Bible clearly states in Leviticus 17, 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Where is the blood of the lamb to make an atonement for my soul? And when most Jews hear, Isaac, most Jews hear Isaac's question of where is the lamb, they do one of two things. They either say, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care whether there's a lamb. It has no relevance to me. I'm not looking for a lamb for my soul. I don't need a lamb for my soul. I'm just fine without a lamb for my soul. So please just leave me alone and don't ask me Isaac's question, where is the lamb? Or many Jews will say, well, I don't know. I'm going to go ask my rabbi. And so they go to their rabbi and they say to the rabbi, where's the lamb for my soul? And the rabbis will always give them the same answer. You don't need a lamb. Your prayers take the place of the lamb. They are the sacrifice. When you pray, it takes the place of the sacrifice, and that means you don't need a lamb. And if a Jewish person asked the rabbi, but my Christian friend told me that, that from Revelation 21, 27, and there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, in other words, to heaven, they won't go in, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And my Christian friend told me that unless I have the Lamb for my soul, unless I'm written in the Lamb book of life, I can't enter heaven, I'm gonna be cast into hell. And the rabbis would say, hell is for the Gentiles, <laughs> not for the Jews. Jews don't get cast into hell, only the Gentiles do, because Jews are God's people by birth. So nothing to worry about as a Jew, you don't need a lamb. And most Jews will accept that. They'll accept what the rabbi says, and they'll no longer ask Isaac's question, except for the remnant, except the minority. And they will 
they will say, I'm not satisfied with that. And they'll continue to ask, where is the lamb? And when they do, God said, I'll show you the lamb. And he brings them to John 1.29. Behold the lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. So if Isaac came to a Rosh Hashanah tonight, a Rosh Hashanah service or a Yom Kippur service or a Seder dinner, he'd look at all of this and he'd say, behold all these religious practices, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And that's the significance of the question in verse 7 that Isaac has is, is asked. It's been asked for thousands of years. Where, where, where is the Savior who said in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But Isaac wasn't thinking of how this question was going to be prophetic. He didn't know and how it was going to be a challenge to all the Jewish people after him that would come from him who have religion without Christ. Isaac was wanting just a verbal confirmation that Abraham was going to give him. So he's got an open heart, he's got a loving gaze, and Isaac looks into his father who had never lied to him in the past, and he asked the question as if Isaac was saying, Father, I really already know the answer. I know the answer to the question. I really feel like I shouldn't even be asking it. But just for a, a last confirmation, can you just tell me verbally that I am the lamb for the burnt offering? Father, it's okay to tell me. It's okay to tell me I'm the lamb. Because, Father, I'm yachad. I I'm yachad with you. You and I are yachad. We're, we became united. We became united together. My heart is it, it's just a little fluttering right now. And I just want to hear it from you, that, that you and I are really on the same page. I just want to know that just, I'm the lamb for the burnt offering. So please, Father, just tell me that I'm the lamb for the burnt offering. And now you can imagine the bind that this puts Abraham in. What was Abraham going to say to his son? I mean, Abraham feels all the pressure of a loving son who loves him with all of his heart. And we can see Abraham looking to God, looking to the God of his salvation, the God of his life, and asking God, Lord, my son, Isaac, has just asked where the lamb is. Lord, Isaac has talked about the fire and the wood that's going to burn up his body, but he's avoided talking about the knife that's going to bring him all the pain. Lord, my son, Isaac, is really asking for a confirmation that he really is the lamb for the burnt offering. Lord, I need an instantaneous answer right now from your spirit because I just don't know what to say. And at that moment, Abraham was talking to Jehovah Jesus, and later on, Jehovah Jesus is going to say in John 15, 5, John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And at that moment, Abraham was looking to Jehovah Jesus to be Abraham's vine and to bring Abraham. And Abraham felt like a pretty far-reaching branch way out there on the end there. And he's saying to God, I need a shot, a quick shot of some wisdom and the right words, and I'm a branch way out there right now, and I'm asking you as the vine, send the right words to me. Send the right words to me, because right now my gas tank is pegging out on empty. And, and, and Abraham, the branch, is feeling like he's just way out there, pretty far from the vine, and Abraham needs to support. He needed help. And Jehovah Jesus, the vine, heard that instant prayer of Abraham, the branch, and, and like the nutrients flow into a, uh, from a vine to a branch, this shot to him with these words that he should answer with what wisdom. It has the marks of divinity all over it, what Abraham said. And the answer makes us marvel. The answer, the answer makes Isaac marvel. It makes us marvel. The reason is, the reason we all marvel is because Abraham's answer is it, because it comes obviously from the vine. Not from Abraham, but from the vine. And it comes it comes to him just like the Lord Jesus said 
about what's gonna happen when you're in a bind and you need to know what to say and you don't know what to say. In Mark 10, 18, Mark 10, 18, you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall, what you shall speak. It's not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And that was Abraham's great answer. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.